Hey, we've been in parables, and uh, this week we're going to be in another parable all summer long. There's over 20 plus parables in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, and uh, this week we're going to be in a tough one. And I'll be honest with you, it's one of those parables that it's easy to teach on, it's easy to sing about. Uh, we all love the idea of forgiveness and mercy and grace, uh, but Jesus really takes the crowd to task here and challenges them in this area uh, of forgiveness. But parables, last week we mentioned, are these little short stories uh, in God's Word. Uh, some you'll see in all the synoptics, in, all, in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then uh, and, and this one is in Matthew that we're going to look at today, in Matthew 18. Uh, most people, when they say Matthew 18, uh, their first trigger is to go back to how Jesus taught us to deal with conflict. We see that in Matthew 18 as, as church leaders and local church. But just after that, he continues this relational theme of how we need to be in relationship with one another. And he challenges us in the area of forgiveness. And the parable is called the unmerciful servant. And some of you have studied this parable maybe throughout the years. But on each parable, as, as they begin, often in Scripture, there'll be a, a question that prompts Jesus. Usually one of the religious leaders will We'll try to prompt Jesus and confuse him or trick him or, or get him frustrated. And they honestly just forgot who they were talking to because Jesus will use that exact question that you're trying to set him up with and trick him uh, as a teachable moment. And uh, he was a master storyteller, and today will be no different. But the person that, that sets up the story today is not one of the religious leaders uh, of the day, but it was, it was Peter, one of Jesus' closest and and uh, Peter asked this question. If you have your Bible, you can go there. It'll be up on the screen. If you have the app, it's always in the app. The scriptures we're going through, and you can take notes. So at Matthew 18, verse 21, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? I'm hearing all kinds of stuff out there. I want to hear it from the source. How many times? And he says, should it be seven times? Would that be a good number? And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. But 77 times. And Jesus, in this particular passage, he's sharing with, this, with, with Peter and the group. Uh, it was often a debate, uh, as they would have rabbinic debates and battle back and forth. And the religious leaders would, would begin to talk about, well, how much of this can you do? And, and, and what can you actually not do? And they would just go back and forth. How close to the line can you get, in a sense, in what they're asking? So Peter raised the bar because uh, the normal forgiveness amount then would have been, the religious leaders would have said three. That three times would have been sufficient. So Peter raises the bar, acts a little bit generous, maybe a little bit spiritual in the moment. Surely Jesus would be okay with seven, right? And Jesus doesn't answer with the amount that he gives back to say, well, here it is. It's seven times 70, and you need to forgive about that amount. And then once we pass that, it's all, the gloves are off, right? No, Jesus says, you need to forgive over and over and over and over again. That if your life, if you've received freely this great gift of forgiveness and grace for your huge sin debt, then how much more do you need to extend that to other people? And Jesus takes them to task here in this area of forgiveness and Peter asked a genuine question, because the religious leaders were not about always getting to the truth, but when it comes to the area of forgiveness and maybe even loving your neighbor, they would, they would turn it into a science. 
of how many times and how close can I get and what can I do? So Peter asked out of sincerity, Jesus, what is it? How many times do I need to forgive somebody that maybe has offended me or done something against me? And what's Peter really asking? He's saying, I mean, what, what, what is the number, but what is the limit? Because I'm sick of forgiving over and over and over again. And Peter, or Jesus, uses this parable to share, and you can read along in Matthew 18, 23 uh, through 35. But Peter says that seven times, because maybe the sixth time, I'm okay with it, right? You do it the seventh time, that's it, no more. You do something the eighth time, it's done. Jesus was using hyperbole here. He wasn't saying it's 490 times that you're to forgive. And then on 491, take the gloves off and go. You can write them off after 491. But he says forgive freely, forgive generously. If you as a Christ follower have received this free gift, there's not much choice in the matter. You need to extend this free gift to others and stop keeping score. So here's what he says. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, he tells this story, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Collection agency didn't send you something in the mail during these days. You could literally have to sell your estate. You could have to sell your children off. You could have to sell your family off, which would have been big-time offensive to have to do any one of the above in this day. At this, the servant, he knew what was coming his way. So he fell to his knees before him, and he said, Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. I want to pause right here in the story because the king had every right to, 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 to ask for the money that was owed to him. I mean, it was, it was the law that he owed him. He was the king. This guy had to be subservient to this guy and, and to pay up. But what does the king do? Man, it must have been good to be the king during this day. The king doesn't use his power for his own good. But the king uses his power because this man is asking for forgiveness and for mercy to extend grace and mercy to the servant. And in a sense, he lets him off. He lets him off the hook. Think about the moment with this servant and the crowd as he's sharing this story. Because 10,000 bags of gold, this servant, it would have taken him thousands of lifetimes to even come close to paying it back. And even then, the crowd all knew there's no way this guy could ever pay it back. Who's the king in the story? It's God, right? Who's the servant representing the story? You and I. And this story tells a powerful picture of the, of the sin debt that we've racked up as a human race and as fallen individuals. Of the sin debt that we in this room have racked up that is, that is so big, so large, impure motives, impure thoughts, sinful nature, sinful junk in our lives. The sin debt is so big. We have no, in a thousand lifetimes, we could never pay it back. But God saw fit to send His Son Jesus to pay the debt for you and for me. So, as a Christ follower, it's not just that we freely receive the gift, that which we do, but we're called to extend it to other people. 
It's an obligation for you and I to do that. To the ones that have wronged us. To the ones that have hurt us. To the ones that we just, I don't even want to talk to them ever, ever again. And Jesus says that is the one, as He's showing the story of the king, the servant about being forgiven. It's foundational of what it means to be a Christ follower. That not only have we received God's grace, right? But we're called to extend it to other people and to pay it forward. He goes on in this story, and uh, where the servant goes with this is, is crazy. And Jesus illustrates really the human heart to us. Uh, but when that servant went out, verse 28, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. I mean, this is chump change compared to what he just owed the king, right? 10,000 bags of gold. And he just had a few coins owed to him. So he grabbed the guy and he began to choke him. And he said, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me. I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that could happen, to which the crowd probably was gasping and sighing. They couldn't believe that this guy that just got left off the hook for this huge amount of money would go grab the guy by the neck that owes him money and demand it back. After he was begging for mercy, he was on his knees in the exact same way that the servant just was with the king. So the master, here's what happens. The master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. To which we say, uh-oh, that guy's in big trouble, isn't he? I mean, did he just, he did a, big, a, a very bad thing. He was just left off the hook for this huge sum of money. And then he says, you know what? I'm going to go find the guy that owes me, and I'm going to make him pay me back. I don't use the, the word a big jerk very often, but this guy would have been known as a big jerk, right? I mean, a guy that, it's like, who do you think you are? With the grace that you've just received, that you're willing to, to go back to somebody else and say, you know what, you owe me. And as I read this story, my first instinct is, is thinking, this guy deserves everything that he gets. He needs the book thrown at him, doesn't he? He deserves to go to jail. He deserves to, any punishment that could be coming his way. If he's willing to receive grace, but then he doesn't want to pass it on to somebody else over just like a can of beans worth of money compared to what he had. He deserves everything that's coming his way. Their stories were so similar, and yet he was cold-hearted and said, it ain't happening. You're at 491 with me. You're not getting any more grace. And then I read verse 35, and my attitude begins to change because listen to what Jesus says. He says, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I was all about the king returning the favor. Give this guy everything he deserves. And then I read verse 35. Why? Because I do want this guy to get everything he deserves. I don't want me to get everything I deserve, right? As I read verse 35. 
I don't want to experience the punishment if I'm walking through life not forgiving people and extending mercy and extending grace to people. I love this verse for that servant. Oh, but not in my life. And Jesus is just unraveling this incredible story to this people and this short story, a parable, a short story with a powerful truth. And the powerful truth is this, and I was reading it over, I've taught on this story before, and I've read it many, many times. And here's what I learned. I better learn how to forgive, and I better learn how to forgive quickly. I better learn how to forgive, and I better learn how to forgive quickly and completely. If I'm going to come in here and sing songs and listen to verses and worship my God and thank you for forgiveness and sing about grace and sing about mercy and receive it freely and then be unwilling to extend it to the people around me that wronged me or owe me, he says in verse 35, he will treat us the same way if we don't forgive our brothers and sisters with our heart. You know what this means? It's a non-negotiable to forgive. And here's the hard part. It means that we forgive everybody. That means everybody for everything they've ever done to us. That's a tall order. I like parables. This one's a little much, right? That's what we think. I want to extend, ex- receive mercy. Gosh, I'm not sure I can give mercy like that. So what's it going to be for us as Christ followers as we navigate through life? Are we going to keep walking through? And every time we're wrong, every time we get offended, we're going to demand justice from somebody, right? Or are we going to walk through life and be Christ followers and follow our greatest example that went to the cross for us and extend mercy to those that need it the most? You know, I was thinking as well this week, because I'm a sports guy, that in every game there's a scoreboard, right? And we all have this miniature scoreboard. tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, do your best to not keep record of wrongs. But on our scoreboard, we've got a section on there for record of wrongs, don't we? And we remember stuff from people, and we hold it against them. I remember what you said. I remember what you did. I remember what you didn't do. And what this parable teaches us is we've got to turn the scoreboard off. We've got to quit keeping score. And we need to hand over the scoreboard to the just God that he is because we can trust him with being the one that's, that's keeping score. We relinquish control and we hand it to him. Mercy is one of those things that we all want, isn't it? That we would all talk, if we gathered in circles and talked about mercy today, we would all be in, ag- in agreement that we like it. And we really like it when people extend it to us. And when we do something wrong, there's a lot of grace and there's a lot of mercy that if you were to maybe show up late for something, And there's a group of people all in the room, frowning, mad, you're late, when you walk in late. And whenever your excuse is, you want them to all say, oh, I understand, that's okay. And you want them to extend you grace and mercy, right? But when somebody makes you late, or holds up your meeting, or holds up whatever you got going on, come on, where are you? Where were you, right? I mean, we love mercy, but it's hard to extend it. Maybe a real-life example, this is confession, I guess, for me is uh, if you're driving down 48, heading south on, uh, uh, by Kroger, and you're coming down to church, and you're just cruising along, you're like, there's a new Mexican restaurant, La Panada, and la- the music's loud, and then you realize, uh-oh, I'm in the right lane, and we're going to one lane, and I, I need over, right? Let me over. I need to get over. And, and that car, you're running even with them, so you can either gun it and cut them off, which I do, or you can slip in behind. And I pull into church, and everybody sees me. There's been a couple times, I'll, confession is your pastor. 
I've driven by our church and turned around on Windy Creek because I cut somebody off before. That's, that's bad stuff. Yeah. That's a confession. I'm honest, you know. God, forgive me. But here's the deal. We love mercy when, when we need it. But if you're in the left lane, somebody guns it to get around you so they don't run into the bank, right, and they need to get over, you push on the gas a little bit, don't you? Back of the line. We don't extend mercy to the person beside us, but, man, I need it when I need to get over. Mercy is one of those things that we love to receive, but it's one of those things it's so hard to give because they owe us. They've wronged us. What you said was so hurtful, you owe me. And mercy's tough. And so it's a question for us today. Are you going to walk through life demanding justice? Or are you going to walk through life extending grace and mercy? We love to be around people that extend grace and mercy. What's it look like for us to be one of those people? Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. So you know what this tells me? reading Ephesians and then this parable in Matthew 18. Forgiveness isn't an option. It's not one of those nice recommendations that's in the Bible. We can read through the Bible sometimes and, and see all these truths and things we need to do and think that's, that's a great recommendation, right? If I want to live my best life now, I'm going to implement this in my life and forgiveness will be there. It's not a recommendation. It's something that we're called to do. And this parable teaches us as clear as day that freely as you have received, we need to freely give, we need to freely extend this great gift of forgiveness to others. And the reason why we can do it is not because we have the power to do it, not because we're good on our own, because we have the source. We have an example. We have one that paved the way, that led the way when it comes to forgiveness, and it's our Savior Jesus for you and I. That our debt, sin debt, was so massive, so big, so comprehensive, we're bankrupt spiritually. He says, I'll pay the bill. I'll take care of it. Jesus goes on in John 13, verse 15. He says, follow my example. He says, I set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So the essence of Christianity is I walk through life. I'm forgiving others. Why? Because I've been forgiven. I extend people mercy. Why? I didn't deserve mercy. It was extended to me. I extend to people grace because I was extended the amazing grace of my Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a Christ follower, that our Savior in heaven has left us off the hook for so much. And we're to walk through life, if you will, to let people off the hook. That guess what? You don't, you don't owe me anymore. How freeing is that? So often we think our battle is against that person or that group of people, but our battle's not against flesh and blood. Forgiveness is really this, this God and I thing, and I want to be obedient to Him. I want to honor Him. I want to, I want to follow in His footsteps. And forgiveness is one of those things that's never, we don't, we don't forgive ever because of what somebody did unto us, but we can forgive because of what God did for us. That's why we can forgive in the first place. And it's an incredible gift. So as we, how does it work? If we were to walk out this week and we run into somebody or, or people or have one of those work weeks that we just have hate in our heart, what do we do in that moment? Well, we look to the cross. What do we do when we get rubbed wrong and people step on us, if you will, and, and really frustrate us and drive us crazy, if you will? We look to the cross. And as we look to the cross, we see a Savior hanging on the cross that says, Father, forgive him, forgive her. And when we think of that, 
I have to forgive. I have to extend forgiveness and mercy. I have to extend, I have to extend grace. I want to share this, and I don't want to minimize any of the pain in the room or brokenness or hurt that you've experienced. But there's nothing that anyone could do to you. There's nothing that anyone could ever do to you that would even come close to comparing what Jesus did for you. There's nothing anyone could do to you. There's nothing anyone could say to you that would even come close to comparing to what your Savior did on the cross for you. And that's the story of the parable in Matthew, in Matthew 18. And Jesus knew the power of forgiveness. He knew the, the power and the consequences of unforgiveness. That it leads people in bondage. It leads people chained up. It leads people broken and hurt. It keeps us chained to the past when we don't forgive. It, it keeps us tethered to the person we want to experience freedom from, right? When we don't forgive. And there's great power in forgiveness. And there's so many things in our life that could be signs and symptoms of, of maybe unforgiveness that well up inside of our heart. Uh, one of those could be anger. Uh, maybe you experienced this some, this some very destructive things or things that really made you angry and, and you just you never dealt with it. You never asked for forgiveness. You never forgave anyone. And so every once in a while, that will just like, where did that come from? And it'll spill over in the midst of anger or unforgiveness will. And it's a heart issue. Uh, another one that I wrote down is, is maybe self-worth issues. If someone said something to you really bad or said something to just cut like a knife. And because of that, it, it kind of works its way out once in a while. Slanderous. Tempered, hot-tempered, gossip, you name it. And you're not living in freedom because you've never experienced forgiveness on any of those areas. Let me, let me share this. In counseling, some of you probably heard this. In counseling world, uh, when, you, when you bury an emotion or when you bury unforgiveness, one of the things you do is you bury it alive. You bury unforgiveness. You bury emotions that are hurt and brokenness. You bury it alive. And it creeps back up in some of the weirdest ways, in some of the most unopportune times, in some of the craziest conversations, because we never dealt with the issue at hand. When we don't forgive, we imprison ourselves to the person or to the thing that we're unwilling to forgive, and it creeps back in. So let me ask you today is it something for you? Is it someone for you? Someone that you need to forgive and, oh, it'll be hard to release the grip and just say, I give them to you, God. I don't even know how to work with this web of a mess. But God, I extend it to you and I say, do a work that only you can. If you're in relationship with other human beings, forgiveness will be one of the top things you'll need to do all the time. If you're married and you want to stay married, you have to forgive a lot. You have to extend mercy a lot. You have to extend grace a lot. I've long passed the 490 forgivable offenses with Natalie, believe it or not. And she's still with me after 491, 492. I don't even know what number we're at. We're at a lot. But you've got to forgive often. And you've got to forgive completely. People are going to disappoint you. People are going to get on your nerves. People are going to frustrate the living daylights out of you. But in that moment, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, what are you going to do? When that happens, you're going to demand justice. 
get even, hold them accountable? Or are you going to extend forgiveness? Our spouses deserve our forgiveness. Why? Because we serve a God that calls us, calls us to do it. I've seen many, many marriages end because of lack of forgiveness. I've seen families not talk anymore with their own family members because of just unforgiveness is still the seed, the, the root issue that's going on. I've watched parents and children not talk for years, and they just they don't talk anymore because of, it goes back to, to unforgiveness. I've watched churches split, cause crazy stuff to happen because unforgiveness is, is a root issue going on. I've watched people explain it to me about their business and work culture that unforgiveness is, is rampant, and this place is a terrible place to work. Unforgiveness. Jesus knew the power of forgiveness. He knew how important forgiveness was. People need our forgiveness. Our parents need our forgiveness. If, you, if your parents were human, whether they're with you today or they're not, they need our forgiveness. Our kids need our forgiveness. They're going to frustrate you at times. They're going to do maybe some terrible things sometimes. And do they need discipline? My goodness, they do. But they need to experience grace and mercy from their dad and from their mom. They need to experience what you've so freely accepted from your Savior. Grace and mercy. Your bosses, people you work with will need forgiveness. Uh, you, you will rub up against each other at times. And while we can't control anyone in any one of these scenarios, we can control our response in every single one. And we could say, I'm not out to get revenge. I just want to let you know you're off the hook. I just want you to know I want to extend you grace. You and I, we're good. That's what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew, in Matthew 18. But if we keep navigating through life, doing unto others as they just keep treating us, it'll never change. But if we keep doing unto others as we would have them do unto us, or I want them to do unto me, a lot will change. We've got to stop keeping score. We've got to stop trying to, to, to settle, settle it by being right and holding them accountable. Let me, let me say this. And this is the hard part about this parable, this, this last thing I want to share with you. Just because we go forgive someone else with a sincere heart and an honest heart doesn't mean they're ever going to change. That's the toughest one. Because you go to them and you're in all sincerity, I want to forgive you for this or for that, or for what you said, or for what you did. And it's like a dripping faucet that they just never change, and it's just the same old stuff over and over and over again. God never promises that that person's ever going to change. What's he say in this parable? What did the, what the, what the servant do after he was just let off the hook for a million-dollar sum that he owed the king? He was all happy at that moment, but did he change? He didn't change. He went out and grabbed somebody by the neck and said, You owe, you owe me. And our Father in Heaven today is showing us in Matthew 18, it's not about you taking things into your own hands. It's about you opening your hands and giving it to me. We see a lot of uh, language in the Bible that talks about Jesus saying, it's mine to avenge. And he says it in Hebrews 10.30, he says, For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. Then we leave it to God. We just trust Him and we forgive and, and we honor Him through, 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 through uh, grace and through mercy. And then Jesus even said, to maybe took it a step further. He says, the, the measure that you use, I'm going to use that same measure on you. 
That's scary. Matthew 7, 2, it says, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. This can be really, really good news. Or this can be uh uh-oh news, right? I mean, think about it. That's what our Savior talks about. That people have kind of thought, man, this is Jesus kind of talking about the whole karma thing. What goes around comes around, right? That's bogus. We serve a just God, a good God. And we have to trust Him to settle the accounts. Our job as we navigate through this life and run into people and bump into people, get frustrated with people, is to forgive and to trust and to trust Him. So today, is there someone, maybe a phone call that needs to be made on Father's Day? Is there something? And you need to go ask for forgiveness, and it's scary, and it's risky, and you're not sure what it's going to look like, because I'm sure their response isn't going to be anything good. I encourage you to do it. Because when you go forgive somebody, what happens? You may never change that person, but God will change you. And he'll begin to heal your heart. He'll begin to allow you to experience freedom. He'll begin to allow you to experience the fullness of everything he offers to you. And he will say, do unto others as I've done to you. Thank you for forgiving my child. Freely you've received, freely you give. It's not easy. I can sit up here and preach about Matthew 18 all day. But we have a source. We have a helper. We have an example that we can look to to carry out this great gift of forgiveness.